What is going on, everybody? It's time to see back in for another episode of Fut Live today with Joey and Felix. And today we have a special guest. We called him Mr. 352, I believe, last week. Um, it is Mr. Aubrey. Mr. Aubrey, how are you doing today? Um, very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Anytime. Thanks <laughs> yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, I guess before we get into the 352, we, it is during Weekend League. This is Sunday. Um, we had the server outage for most of Friday, all Friday. Um, but. Still, we've played some weekend league games. So, Joey, Felix, before we get started, how is weekend league going for you? I say that kind of sad already. Point, <laughs> 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 no, I had a really good start. I went 15 and 0. Came through one game where I almost lost to myself again, but won on penalties. And then I lost to a competitive player after dominating the entire game. So I was 15 and 1. I was like, eh, whatever. I feel fine. I played well. It's okay, just lost, you know. Get into the next game, play the next game. I feel fine. I go one nil down, and I could just feel, I could just feel the anger building up inside of me. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be bad. And I lost that game as well. And uh, I stopped for the day, so that was yesterday. And today, in the morning, I came out and thought, oh, you know what? I'm doing a couple of warm-ups and rivals. Did well, won them all. Went into a weekend league, lost three in a row. So I went from fifteen and zero to fifteen and five, and I. Don't know how, and uh, yeah, ended up finishing twenty four and six. I kind of rescued it, but like, I need to have a word with myself, honestly. Like, th- this can't be happening. It's not good. Not happy. I wish I was the type of player where I could be so laid back while playing and not have to focus like so hard on games. You watch some of these pros on stream, and they're like talking to chat and like casually scoring goals, going twenty nine and one, thirty and zero. It's just like, man, I envy that. Because I have to like stare at my screen and focus so hard. I can't even listen. I can't, to music. I can't even talk to chat or anything. I literally, yeah. when he's when he's getting sweaty, I have to put the music away and all that stuff. I'm oh right, right, exactly. If when yeah, exactly. I just I can't I can't put on music. But I am twelve and one. I lost my first game just before the stream, uh, just before the pod, and uh, I want to make changes to my team. So I'm gonna be picking Mr. Aubrey's brain throughout the podcast <laughs> um, and see how he deals with people pack in the middle because that's my biggest struggle this year is uh, just the low depth and then there's no room to do anything it could be because I did try out the 4-2-3-1 this weekend uh, obviously everyone knows what about the 4-2-3-1 but I'm excited to hear about the 3-5-2 yeah I think we get started there if you want to if you want to answer that question from Joey about people pack in the middle yeah, um, I mean, this is this is like the the golden the golden question. I think for FIFA players in general, and for me, and I think for pros and everybody, it's you know you've seen a massive wave of uh, low depth pack in the middle, nine back, eight back, or, or whatever. Um, and and there isn't an actually an ideal answer. I can't lie. There isn't like a you know quick fix. This is how you break them down. A, a lot of it comes down to I found is I'm. I'm trying to take half chances way more against them. I I succumb a lot of the time to trying to create a perfect chance. So I'll get into a decent angle to shoot, and then I'll try and you know fake shot that player to open up the angle and then make it 100% a goal. And I've found myself against dropback players. I'm taking a lot of long shots. So um, you know the way I set my team up, I have uh, two players in particular in my team. I have Salah and Griezmann. Both have finesse shot. Both have ni- like near 99 long shots with the chemistry styles I have on them. And I- I'm just trying to um, 
take gambles, take take like uh, shots from a weird angle, take shots that I wouldn't usually take. Because as soon as you get the one goal, the whole game plan falls out the window for them. Like they can't continue to to drop back and pack the box. Um, now, ideally, the the like the number one rule is you can't concede to a player like that. And I know it's ridiculous because you know they get a corner, they get a bounce dude, they get a long lby. But um, as long as it's level, you can continue to sort of pepper away. In real life, teams tend to sort of play deep crosses and gamble on um, like bobbles and stuff. But it is, it's a tough one, man. It's something I struggle with as well. But um, yeah, I've resorted to trying to either open them up with a little bit of like flair with some skill moves and drive into the box, maybe win a penalty or, or, or yeah, them long shots, them, them finesses I find really strong right now. I had this yeah. idea, um, I think I talked about it on the podcast last week as well, um, where when somebody's sitting super deep and super narrow, what I was going to try um, is switch to the 442 mm-hmm. with my left and right mid on stay wide. Mm-hmm. And then I activate like hug the sideline as well. And what I was going to do when I get when I get stuck and this defense is settled, I, I wanted to pass the ball all the way back to my defense and my goalkeeper and all that stuff. Keep it there for a bit, make his team come out from the back, yeah, yeah. and then try and abuse the wings and, and find an RB cross. But um, only half of it is working. Mm-hmm. So um, I've I've tried it a couple of times. I, you, I managed you, to make the defense push up, but I then can't like get in behind. I find it difficult to to basically exploit his team high up the pitch. You did pick up on a good point though, Tante, and like, obviously you're trying to find a little bit of an exploitative way, but resetting to your centre-backs or resetting to your to the halfway line is, is really important because their team does start to creep forwards. So, you know, when they pack eight players into the box, if you then reset to say, for example, your left-back, right-back or whatever, the team will come out slightly and then when you go back into your cam, there is just that little bit more breathing room in there uh, to create. It's just... It's a lot of patience and, and you know, like I say, trying to take your half chance because, you know, you go 1-0 up and listen, I'm an advocate for it. People say it's, you know, rap behaviour or whatever. Someone continues to play dropper back against me like that. You better believe I'm holding possession until they decide to change their mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, because, you know, it's their choice to play that drop back. If they're 1-0 down, then, you know. Got I need to, to consciously score. do it, though, because I notice yeah. myself still trying to attack and score goals because it just yeah. gets super boring, doesn't it? Until until they change the mind, until I see that press get activated, um, yeah, I'm holding the ball because because you're literally playing into their one win condition, which yeah. is counter. So yeah, that's how I've dealt with it anyway. Griezmann's bailed me out a lot. I, I, to be fair, the the whole of my like attacking lineup apart from Sterling can shoot from range, so I gamble a lot on them half chances, which I don't see a lot of people doing. Um, but. Yeah, are you trying to finesse with with Griezmann from outside the box? Is that what yeah? You're so, oh. so yeah. So obviously, I I, I mean, everybody, uh, a lot of people know about the sort of meme of me playing uh, Griezmann CDM. But this is the exact reason that I play him there is that if you play him further upfield, he doesn't get that space. But a lot of the time, what I'm finding is when I'm stuck on the edge of the box, what I can do is sort of play around my cam strikers and just drop the ball back to Griezmann and just aim for the far post. Um, you know, you force a save or you know, if it if it bubbles, through, you can force save, get a corner. It bubbles through, bad stuff. Like you just try to create constant chances, at like good chances. That's that's what I've been. Um, that's sort of been my saving grace against these drop back players, anyway. So when you when you're setting up your team, right mm. in the three five two, mm. um, now that you're going to be progressing through upgrades as you get better finishes in weekend league and your coin total becomes better, 
what are you going to do in that person that's got that Griezmann hole? Like, are you going to find another player that's going to fit the same For sure. kind of same thing? Oh, you are. So who, who do you think you're going to be putting there? Um, I mean, it, depending on obviously the coin total, but like moving upwards, someone like De Bruyne is um, absolutely ideal for that role. He hasn't got finesse okay. shot, but yeah, yeah. but you can you just take power shots instead. You can still finesse a little bit, but I would probably just take power shots. So like De Bruyne, um, you know, progressing upwards from that. Then the rule breaker nine Golan um, looks a really good shout for that sort of spot. Essentially, for that spot, I I, I, I always try and describe it. It's not a it's not a CDM. It's just a free, it's a free roll. That player gets to sort of just do whatever they want. It's usually a cam in your team, but I'm actually doing it from the sort of like deeper role. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, Hullet is the absolute star man for that. Right. <laughs> but yeah. obviously, he's like way into the future. Uh, but anybody who has, um, you know, decent shooting, dribbling, passing and like physicals, can just slot right in there and, and, and you just treat them as a as that free role to just pick the ball up and, and sort of try and make make some magic happen. Well what happens to you on the defensive side of things? Like you've got De Jong there, obviously, yes. who's not a yeah. pure CDM, but he's no. obviously has the medium high work rate to help yeah. you out. Um one thing that I'm seeing a lot of people say, and I want to hear your opinion on this based on because when you're playing the four, two, three, one, you have two DMs. You play three, sure. five, three, you have two DMs. I'm sure you have your left mid and right mid on comeback on defense yep. as well. Absolutely. Okay. So are you roaming around with the young or are you switching to your center backs? Because I've heard a lot of people say, don't switch on to your center backs. But I, mean, I feel more vulnerable when I don't switch to my me center too. I basically, um, and again, people laugh at me for the way that I play, but this is just my most effective way. When somebody's attacking, what I tend to do is I tend to grab my centre centre back. So I tend to grab Varane, um, and I'm trying to put heavy press on like the passing lane. Because um, what happens, what I've found is, so I play non-traditional centre backs because I play um, left backs and right backs at centre back. So I'm playing Walker and Mendy in those outside centre back roles. So when I'm stepping with Varane. I, like I step quite high with him and they tend to tuck in a little bit and pick up the runners. So you get this really nice, like forward pressure with Varane and then cover from obviously Walker and Mendy are like outrageously fast, can track pretty much anything. So I, no, I, I, I very much disagree with the idea of grabbing a CDM. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of the time on my centre-backs trying to um, either cut the pass lane. So like if someone's looking to go into the striker, I'll try and step ahead of it or, you know, sometimes I'll end up with Mavaran chasing somebody in centre mid because <laughs> I've already committed to the press, so I might as well, I might as well keep it up. And but yeah, so yeah, I'm very rarely on my DMs. I'm only ever on my DMs to to press uh, the ball, and but I tend to switch quite a lot between sort of pressing and then cutting the lane, and then pressing and then cutting the lane. I could like that seesaw um, motion is sort of how I defend. I feel like the cut, uh, holding on to the CDM. Advice really only applies when your team is sitting deep already mm. and they've settled. When when your team is high up the pitch, you need to control the centre back and try and track the runs and cut lanes and all that stuff. Well, the, the problem is, Tante, I feel like that advice to hold your DM will get you short term results, but you won't ever learn how to defend. <laughs> you won't ever actually learn like um, the the phases in which, for example, you need to be aggressive and try and press. And the phases in which you need to try and be passive and, and, and track runs, like you'll just learn how to watch your computer do that. So, um, you know, if for, for, for a one shot weekend league, I might tell someone, yeah, hold your, 
just grab your DM and, and pray. But no, I, I think it's I think it's bad advice. That's me personally. But yeah, well, I, one, I agree with that. One thing I've noticed though this year, um, I don't know if you guys have noticed the same thing though, but that when you're getting countered, your DMs don't run back anymore. No. They just sit. So yeah. that's yeah. The, the biggest thing I've been trying to figure out is, okay, running back Conte or whoever I have at, at my mm-hmm. defensive mid, running back, then switching off. It's just like – it's very frustrating because counters are, are brutal. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I'm stuck in the position where, okay, if I switch to my center defense mid, run him back, and then switch to a center back to attack the – the guy running at me mm-hmm. at the counter. That's where I'm where I'm struggling, I think, defensively. It's like, what are you doing in your situation? Because with a three-back, counters are probably tough on you as well, or no? You well, it's in, this is an interesting question, because this is this is like the ultimate question I get asked about the 3-5-2, is what do I do with counters? And to be honest, the, I, don't, I don't find them that difficult. The only time I would ever find it difficult is if someone is playing literally four players on stay forward. So they obviously outnumber my three back. But at that point, I just wouldn't be in a three back. I would just switch. So if they've only got two upfield, like I feel like sometimes the three five two can be more secure than the four because you've actually got three people packing the two strikers. So Joe, if anybody plays like a four two one two narrow or um, you know a four three one two, anything with a two striker formation, you actually outnumber those those players. So you can be really aggressive. I, like I say, I grab Varan. Go super hyper aggressive, but then I still have the two. Whereas in a far back, you do only have those two players and your two DMs, obviously depending on depending on your setup. Um, but I know I've, I've not found counters that 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 scary, and you can almost force them to. Tra- this is why I love the three five two so much. If they don't transition really fast, I end up in a five back with two DMs, and I know it sounds scummy, but that's just <laughs> if they don't if they don't literally go from like their end to my end and in in a in a flash. Then, then I'm set up and I'm defending, and, and they turn the ball over, and I think that makes people panic quite a lot. That's what I, I so I brought that up. So I played the three five two as well um, when <clears> I started last year. Cool. Uh, just because I, 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 I don't care enough about finishing with a good result anyway. So cool. like the four, I mean, you can uh, you proved it uh, last week with the three five two. You can anyways, but um, so I just got really bored last year of that four two three one meta yes. um, that it was. So I just was like, give me something else. I think it was you, and then I think Neil Guides had put up a video. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a really his was like a really different. Is more towards oh, the of FIFA, FIFA twenty um, when he had the uh, the cam was the, made the run in, and you had the striker drop deep. Um, yep. And it just confused defenders. So I, I started with that, and then I've now moved into the more traditional three five two that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I was talking about it last week that the way FIFA twenty one and just really the last couple FIFAs have felt. Um, if if the other team doesn't counter me and passes around, it it, it becomes the five and back so fast and yeah, almost yeah. And, and then the four two three one is is one of those formations that if they don't counter you fast and they start passing around, it almost looks like a drop back one depth sort of thing. Just yep. the nature of the way the formations work in FIFA. So I, I I'm a huge proponent of three five two as well. So I'm happy you've taken it to actual success and <laughs> I can just use it to to get to my gold one and stop. Yeah. Um, but well, well, the other thing is as well. I've also found, and I don't know if you found this in your three five two, is that um, sometimes I'll notice that, like, say, because I play at the moment, I'm playing uh, Jordi Alba and Lucas. But like, say, I'm attacking down the left wing. A lot of the time, my right mid is kind of cheating backwards. So like, if they end up trying to counter, I end up with this weird situation where I have my three back, I have De Jong in front, and then I have one of those wide players like half chasing already. So it ends up yes. with with like you you've got five in transition at least so again if they don't literally go 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 on on, on 
like full direct, then then yeah, I, I found it's the one thing that confuses me is, is everybody tells me that I'm going to be defensively weak, but I feel worse in in my four four two, for example, defensively. <laughs> I feel way worse, like trying to defend because of the two two center players rather than the three. So I guess mm-hmm. it's just different perspectives. When when yeah. do you switch out of it? Like what formations I, give you I so much? I can't, I can't really, I can't say. Just because I'm, I, if I get into qualifiers, I don't want to, want to, have, uh, oh. to have worked <laughs> the formula out. This is the one thing I am hiding until I finish okay. qualifiers. Just because okay, respect, respect. I don't, yeah. I don't want to give the blueprint. And also, it, this adds, this this is me being a little bit. There's a lot of people who are starting to sort of become aware of the three five two. Um, I've noticed a lot of like people like posting the question on Twitter about how to set it up, blah blah blah. Um, and I want the counter, man. <laughs> I want if I can forget my own three five two, I want the secret formula to mm-hmm. to break it down. But it, it definitely has weaknesses. And 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 I, I know. I mean, if you wanted to look back into my qualifiers and see what some of the pros do to um, sort of try and exploit it, um, there's definitely ways. But then it's on you then to be able to have a secondary or a third or a tertiary formation uh, a high level. This is what I think the game becomes is this chess match of setups. And it's like, okay, I'm in, I'm in my three, five, two, you've gone to X. All right. I'm going to switch to my four, four, two. Oh, you've switched. Right. I'm in a, do you know what I mean? And you get this fluid um, transition between formations. I've noticed that uh, when I was in qualifiers, I was doing this quite a lot. Yeah, the reason yeah, I, 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 I apologize for not being able to, to say oh, no, 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 understandable, sure. understandable. The reason I asked is because I'm actually after you guys all talking now, I kind of want to run the three five two for the rest of my games just to for see sure. how because I'm in a situation where I don't enjoy playing the four two three one, but I'm doing it because I feel like it's going to be the best to get results, and I just want to see where I'm at this FIFA. But mm-hmm. at the same time. I my attack is so stagnant in the four two three one. I I hate it. It's just like I'm passing between my DMs for so long, and just the guy's just sitting there. So I'm trying to. I, I don't think it's the way forward for me. I think I'm gonna try out the three five two after this. Yeah, well, 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 when I started in FIFA eighteen, sort of started trying to get competitive myself. Um, I was literally like gold two, um, trying to sort of. I was doing. I get I deep dive into like YouTube videos, guides and stuff. As soon as I try and learn something, I'm just like trying to absorb as much information. And everywhere was like four two three one, four two three one, four two three one. So I started playing four two three one, um, and I had some success with it. But I found exactly the same even back then as what you have now, which is man, I feel so stagnant when I'm trying to create. Like maybe I'm just not creative enough um, on the ball or something. But um, I started then experimenting, and yeah, when I tried the three-five-two, and you get like the double, the wide mid overload, the extra DM joining the attack, the options that it creates, that to me makes my attack so much more fluid. And then it was just about securing up the defense in a way that that, that felt um, stable enough. And, and yeah, I haven't looked back. I haven't ever gone. I have the four-two-three-one set up for like the 80th minute plus if I need to try and retain possession. Um, but I haven't I haven't looked back to, to go to a, a four two three one since then because yeah, I couldn't create at all. I was I was a way worse version of, of myself playing like a, a standard formation. It's interesting how that works, like how you yeah. how you're so good in that in that one formation, then you struggle in the other. I, do you, I think... do you feel like um the three five two gives you a competitive edge just because people are not used playing to it? Yes, yeah, hundred percent. I've said this for a long time, is that um, and this isn't me being like self-deprecating, but it's the truth. If I tried to play 
the way that, for example, I'll just pick a megabit plays, right? If I took a, a 4 2 3 one, I don't, I don't know if that's actually what megabit plays, but he's probably plays narrow 4 one regardless. Yeah, but if I tried to take the style of someone who's competitive and run it against them, I would just be a worse version of them. Um, I don't think I'm good enough to go head, to, and this is just the truth not, not good enough, that's the wrong word. I don't think in that style I would match up very well. I think what I do well is I play a unique style which can catch people out. And then um, I'm I'm really good when I have a lot of options because I tend to like to dribble off of like uh, baits. So like my left mid and right mid and running behind, if they switch to their left back and start to mark, that's I feel like where I create best is when they're sort of like scrambling to try and cover. That's where I do my best work. So um, setting up them situations as much as possible is is how I how I attack. And in the four two three one, that's just not possible in my opinion. Like. You just don't have that level of creativity. It's definitely a more conservative formation than 4231. Oh, and, and this is why it's run, Tante, because it's the most consistent um, defensively. And, you know, there are ways to create in it. But I just find it just, yeah, for personal enjoyment. And again, if, every time I've tried, because trust me, there was a long time where um, I was trying to make the 352 sort of, not mainstream, but just more viable. And everybody just advised me, like, when I went into qualifiers, oh, just just try a normal formation. It'll work better for you. And every time I did it, I was useless. <laughs> you know, I felt the same way because I've always yeah. been a 4-3-3 guy. Like, I, every year I've played 4-3. And this year, for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, because I think it's because I struggled last week, the first mm -hmm. week in league. I'm like, I got to switch to the 4-2-3-1 because that's yeah. what everyone's using. Yeah. Yes, I'm obviously – right now my results are better thus far but mm -hmm. i know the second i play better opponents they're gonna eat me they're gonna eat me up because yeah. i cannot create so i've been looking i've been looking around obviously watched your video and i saw you play on um fast build up right you play oh, on fast I, I, for, for me it, for me if you're gonna run the three five two the way i do currently i have multiple i was showing tante last night i have a couple of different things i'm workshopping to to make different versions but this version um, I think fast build-up is integral because it, it essentially I'm, I'm the only reason I play this is for the overloads of the left mid, right mid, and then the CDM joining the attack. Um, and fast build-up is the only one that gets them to transition as quick as they do. Does um, that have to? Does that make you attack faster though, or if you end up like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you have to yeah. go into another? No, no, I don't think so. I think I think the reason it doesn't is that in the three-five-two, you obviously have the you have like two DMs, one cam, two strikers, so you have like a five-core block in midfield. And I've always said, and I said it in my video that I do my three-five-two tactics. Um, you actually don't want to play on a extreme counter as in try and go from your goal to their goal as fast as possible because you only have three up top you only have your cam two strikers what you have to do is you have to sort of go from like cdm to cam play hold up for like half a second to a second and then the surge of players comes your left mid and right mid go the dm goes next year and then all of a sudden you've got like five options but there needs to be that like beat that half pause when you get into midfield. And a lot of the time, it's with me, it's dribbling, it's RB dribbling, it's, you know, playing a one-two. And then all of a sudden, I've got overload, overload, and then and then that's where I create. So it's not a, an extreme counter, as people think. It's more, it's it, you more have to just sort of hold, you have to be good at hold-up play, which is something I've always um, enjoyed doing. I like playing target man on, on clubs and stuff. So, um, yeah, hold, hold the ball up in midfield, wait for your overloads, and then, 
hit hit the hit the wings and bring it back inside. That's the way I create. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. That's very very interesting. I and for people who don't know, you hit twenty seven wins with like what? A, what was your three hundred k? Your team? No, was? no. So so this 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 year, I, I did twenty eight and two for my first weekend league, uh, and my team's like nine hundred k. It what is a little that? bit more expensive. So my team I run right now, I've got Son and Sterling up front. I had Mares at uh, Mares at Cam. I had Jordi uh, Jordi Alba left mid, uh, Bale right mid. Griezmann, Dion, CDMs, and then I had Mendy, Wambisaka, and Varane as my back three. Um, so it is, it is, it is a decent team, uh, but it's it's not got the um, the star power like I would love to have. You know, your Mbappe, your CR7, your Neymar, um, the, those type of players who who really sort of step up to the next level. But um, it's good enough. Yeah, I mean, I hit twenty eight and two, so it's obviously good enough to. To, to move forward with um, we'll make changes as we go but but like I think when people are making setups for teams uh, this is a little bit of a tangent sorry um, people often go just individual players whereas when I build a team I'm building on roles like I have my 3-5-2 already I know what I want so I don't even consider really like for example, this is why I play Griezmann at the end. I don't consider the, the the position a player plays to be the position. I'm just looking at stats and saying, what do I want from that guy? So, like, from Son, the left striker position, generally for me, is a, a bit of a taller player, but it's like an outright finisher. That's the person who's going to finish every chance I create. For my right striker, I want a smaller, faster, dribbling-type player. For my cam, I want a creative. So, do you know what I mean? I, I'm building roles. I'm not building um, – I'm not going like, oh, I like that player. I'll use him. And then let me get a player who's exactly the same as him and put him in the team as well. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's more system based, so I think people should should maybe take more notice of of how the team um, uh, operates as a as a as a fun, like a whole pack rather than just a, as an individual players. I feel like I'm I'm somewhere in the middle of that with mm. the, the player selection because I know what I like in a player. I'm, yes, like the pace, the agility. I like mm-hmm. the skill moves and all that stuff. So I look for that as well, but. Oh, it depends. Like I'm, I'm a four-two-three-one player, which is pretty basic, sure. pretty boring. There, there's only so much you can do with that. But especially for this the CDMs, I feel I always want that partnership of one, one guy that is just purely destructive, purely sure. defensive, sitting back, mm-hmm. and then I want someone next to him who's got some sort of defensive ability, but he's the guy that Creative. plays the ball, he's the guy that creates from deep, that Absolutely. carries the ball forward, that pings the passes, that can attack, mm-hmm. that can join into the box and all that stuff. So. Sure. No, it makes sense. Like, and, and again, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I just think that like people, I've, I'm, I'm a preacher of versatility. Like, once you know, I'm, I'm, I want CR7 in my team. Um, one of the reasons is that he, he'll be a, a aerial threat. Um, I feel or like you can just head it down. Yeah, the, like so. One of the things that that I've always tried to tell people is like, do you know when you get like the team press. If you haven't yeah, yeah. got like a decently tall striker, the team press is going to feel way worse because what I do when I get team pressed is I'm chipping it. Uh, last week it was to bail at right mid. I'm just chipping it into into him, and he's winning the header, and I'm I'm, I'm retaining possession. Um, the problem I have with with that though, because I've tried that as well when I mm-hmm. when I play the ball into Ronaldo, is I mean, first of all, you've got manual headers. I feel like I'm alright at those. Um, sure. With, with the passing lanes and all that stuff, I feel like I've got that down. The problem is then your other players have to be switched on and yeah, yeah, win yeah. the race first. Absolutely. 
And that that is where it gets tough. Sometimes you lose the ball up front, but I'd I'd rather run Wacky to Ronaldo win the header and then lose yep. the second ball, and Absolutely. they have to rebuild from the back. Yeah, yeah, so it, I it mean, makes sense in that regard. Yeah, this it's good to just have that option. It makes you feel a bit more safe. I think having options is what um, I've always again. This is something I tell everybody. So, like, do you know if you don't have an aerial threat up, to, up front, or at least somebody who's at least decently good in the air? So, when I get down the wing, I have no reason to fear that you're going to cross that. Like, I have zero yeah. reason to try and stop that cross. So, all I do is just camp the camp the cutback or camp the driver line. I never have to guns. But if I just whip one cross in, all of a sudden, every time you're defending that wing, you're like, I crossed last time. Maybe he's going to cross again. So you're just building those um, doubts and in, into someone's game. And I, I feel like too many Nine people... Nine games, I Oh, I think it's extremely important. Too many people... I can tell that you're going to cut back because you've got Usman, you've got, you've got Dembele, Saint-Maximan, uh, Marshall, and, and, and another small dribbling forward. Ben Yedda, let's just say Yeah, Ben, ben Yedda, yeah, yeah. I just know you're not whipping that ball in. But when I see yeah. someone... In, but even like Rashford, right, he's a little bit taller. I at least have to consider that that ball's going to get put into the box. And a lot of the time, I don't even consider it until you show me it once. But then I have to defend it. And I feel like not enough people build that into their game of just being unpredictable to unlock the cutting side option. To, yeah, to... It's, it's exactly what I was going to say as well. It's unpredictability because when, when you've got options, you, you'll always have a preferred style of play sure. or, or no. what you want to do in that scenario. But you need to be unpredictable to be able mm-hmm. to pull it off. But, people, but sometimes people will say to me, why did you cross that or why did you do that? And I'm like, yeah, it kind of didn't work. But at least now they know I'm going to cross or long shots. At least now they know I'm going to shoot. So that even if they don't consciously think about it, they will subconsciously try and then maybe close that gap half a yard more. Maybe bring that guy out a little bit more when I'm picking up with Griezmann. And then that's when I can play him behind. I, I, I feel like, yeah, people have a very like one track way of playing and, and unpredictability is your, your absolute friend when it comes to creativity, in my opinion. I wanted to ask you something about um, the way you set your strikers up. Um, sure. Obviously, there is, by the way, I just want to mention this, there is a video on YouTube where Mr. Aubrey explains his tactics and instructions. Um, mm-hmm. We'll link that in the description, of course. I appreciate so it. everyone can, can check it out um, if they're interested in playing the 3-5-2. And if not, watch it anyway. It's a good video. <laughs> um, the strikers, though, do you have them both on, on the same sort of instructions? Because what I found, yes. um, especially last year, when you had a formation with two strikers and a cam, so a 3-5-2, a 4-1-2, and mm-hmm. a 2 for example, I found it works when you have both strikers on getting behind. But I've yep. been struggling with that this year, even with a cam. So what I've been doing in narrow, for example, or when I'm playing 3-5-2 in draft, which I actually quite like there, mm-hmm. um, I've always got one striker on getting behind and mm-hmm. the other one I have on balanced attack. So he's yep. a bit more of a link-up option as well because I struggled when I had them both on getting behind. I didn't feel like I have any options. Yeah, um, I'm currently, I change my striker instructions a lot just by, I'm, I'm sort of experimenting. Um, the one I really don't like is I don't like target man this year, which is a big sadness because I love a target man. Um, but the target man, I just feel like yeah, you have got it completely and utterly wrong um, in terms of the way the players move. I only use it in a very specific way. Um, and that three, two, that three, four, one, two. I was showing you last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I only would ever use it in that. Um, but yeah, so I'm on double getting behind, and the reason is to push the back line back to give me more space to play in. That's the only reason that I do it right now. Mm, that's I, an interesting approach, to be fair. I like, I like when they go in behind that they have to track the runs. It gives me a lot more time 
to play in front of people. Yeah, you, you can push into that space then. Yeah, yeah, obviously. yeah. And, then, and obviously, you know, what I've been talking about with my long shots and stuff, if my strikers are constantly putting in behind, if they're not closing it, I'm playing the ball. If they are closing it, I have more time to sort of work those angles and, and take long shots. And, and again, just occupy. The 3 5 2 occupy so many players that, you know, if if they don't track a single run and I, I find it, then then it's a goal. Like um, Sterling and Son are both quick enough that um, they're peeling off the defenders and stuff. So, yeah, both, both getting behind right now. That's inter- I, so I actually don't. Yeah, so I did. I, I do the get in behind and then I do the other one on just balanced. Yep, I think um, it's fine. I, I, I said this in my video, like a, a lot of the time, what you do with your two-striker setup is, is quite personal, like preference. Like you could take a two-striker setup from any formation and slot it into this 3-5-2 if you like, like the way you two-strikers mm-hmm. play. Um, and I think it's uh, it's it's yeah personal the way you play and personal based on the strikers you have. So oh, I have yeah. an, I have Anaki Williams and Usman yeah. Dembele and Anaki is not going to really do much on the ball. He's strictly just there for pace and, and, and he's kind of a big body. So I'm just going I'm like get him behind, just make yeah. those runs because even if I, chaos, I don't really want to yeah. hit you unless it's for the shot only. Um, sure. He's not very good at anything else. But Dembele is is good on the ball. The five star skills we talked about this year, um, just being so so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd rather have him stay balanced and be on the ball as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. This is this is the thing. It's I, nothing is ever a strict rule. There's very few things that I would say that are like you have to do this. And on the two strikes, especially if you're winning Lewandowski, for example, up front, tell him to get him behind is worthless. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. not going to do it, is it? Um, yeah. But this is what you never want to take. So, like, if if anybody does want to play three five two. Um, definitely take my base and use it, but then yeah, make adaptations to the way you play. I I play in a very specific way. So if you see something and you're like, God, I hate how he just always runs away from me, just switch it up, make him balance, make him target man, whatever. Um, just make sure that you know um, what you're changing is um, purposeful. Because I know a lot of people tinker with instructions that isn't purposeful. They'll just be like, Oh, I'll just put this guy and drift wide. What? <laughs> And then, and then they're like, "Well, this formation doesn't work anymore." It's like, yeah, because you just, yeah. But yeah, if you make if you make changes um, with purpose, then I think I think you can make a lot of changes to my three five two to make it applicable to anyone who wants to play it. Now, as far yeah. as your left mids and red uh, left mid and right mids go, mm. are you always trying to pick someone there with? defensive ability or like can you use like a winger let's say i don't know hazard as your left yeah mid. i've been really going back and forth with this it's something that i've sort of like i actually don't know my own answer because <laughs> i haven't got to use prolific wingers yet like once i get up to the height so my left mid and right mids it sounds bad they're just sort of luxury players right now mm-hmm. they're, they're to hold width and they're to play the ball in, but they're not really doing much in terms of like actual on the ball ability. Now, until I am at the point where I've got my striker and my cams and my DMs, because I think they're the most important roles in this setup, as you know, uh, really high tier, my left mids and right mids will just pretty much be wing bots who are just sort of running up and down. I think if you get to a point where your team is expensive, I think you could probably actually sacrifice the defensive ability and go pure. Um, so are you are you actively looking for, you know, someone with like sixty defensive rating or anything, or do you just put whatever? Kind no, of- I, I used Bale last week out there. Um, okay. could, could, Bale's got a little bit of a bigger body, t- so like, I guess the trade off would be if the kind of physical you get away with it, 
Uh, but I mean, I'm using Lucas there this week, so it's like it's not even a strict draw. Um, I, I think, do you know, if you built me my dream squad, they would have defensive abilities just because mm-hmm. when you took him to that five back, you know, having those left backs and right backs, you know, someone like um, like a Zambrotta, Icon Zambrotta, um, Carlos Alberta, those type of players um, would just, they have everything in the game. They have, you know, the attacking of capabilities and the defensive one. I think they'd be ideal. But you can run either. If, if, if you want a more secure defence, you can run left-backs. Um, like I said, I run Jordi Alba. The only thing I will say is I am getting into spots with Jordi Alba sometimes where I'd love to rip a cross-goal cross shot, and I'm just like, eh, <laughs> eh, God, this is going to feel awkward. Um, so they do need to have that attacking ability, but it's just finding players with that right now is tough. <laughs> It's going to be interesting during team of the season when we get the yes. the two fullbacks and you can just yes. put attack and chemtrails on them. I love I love team of the season when we get the um you get the sort of but even even cards like you remember Atal last year the eighty four yeah. inform like he had everything so um, we're only a couple, we're only like some nice informs away from having those types of players but I feel like right now you very much have to make a choice and I'm I'm actually favouring sort of one attacking one defensive right now just to try and. Um, so I'd like, like I said, Jordi Alba and Lucas just to try and have that balance. So um, I, I actually do the same thing. I have the one attacking and one defensive. Oh, interesting. Cool. Um, so I have Jesus. Well, Jesus Navas, I guess he isn't in the most defensive player, but he's oh. my right He's my right mid right yeah. now. And then I have uh, Yanni Carrasco. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, strictly, like you said, the luxury player. He's literally just pace. That's what he is. He just sprints up and down. And he's got a little bit about him going forward. He's got the four-star, four-star, you know. It's not like a horrific player. If I do find myself around no. the box, them he's not gonna. I'm not gonna cry and like just pass it off and, and like move on. But it's actually pretty comparable to you know Jordi Alba Lucas, right? The, the very yeah. similar like types of players. So yeah, I think I think. And I like that a lot better. I, I originally had that prem team I was talking about. I had Zaha and Lucas as my mm. wides, um, mm. and they both were fine. But you, you you talk about that situation when the ball, if they try to counter basically the opposite side, you get that you almost come into a four at the back to start. Yes. yes. Um. Yeah. So I I like that and. and I don't know about you with your center backs and, and how many are actual center backs. So I have, I have two center backs. I have Diego Carlos and Eder Miltau, and then I have mm-hmm. Mendy, left mm-hmm. back as my other center back. Yep. So I and I have him on the opposite side as Jesus Navas. So sure. in theory, sense. in theory, if I get attacked that way, Jesus Navas almost becomes his traditional right back role. Yep. Mendy can almost become a left a traditional left back role, which he already is accustomed to. And then yep. you have the two center backs. So I have my defensive minded. We'll call it defensive-minded mid on the opposite side as my wing-backing center yep. back. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that idea. Um, I, I'm running Mendy and Walker as my outside center backs right now. Um, so Walker's obviously got the center back card, and everybody mm-hmm. goes uh, goes crazy for it. Just that uh, this is just a, like a personal peeve of mine. That that center back Walker card has like no extra stats basically than his right back card, and it's 300k more. Just buy the normal one. <laughs> Yeah, I think that has to be just like position change. Like, yeah, I mean, if you really change. needed it for position change, then you can Fair go enough. for it. But, but I think 300k, like, I would, that, yeah, again, I'm, I would just play Walker um, just off chem at centre back. I mean, I'm playing Mendy off chem centre back right now. Um, but yeah, I'm using like non traditional centre backs just because I um, I like to press with my centre centre back and the other two cover. Um, mm-hmm. And let's be yeah, honest, we talked about it a few times. Um, defending in this game is 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 semi-irrelevant i i know interesting uh, we'll call it interesting yeah. yes uh steve stokes the coach uh from foot weekly 
uh, he was he was talking about. It. He's like, I genuinely think I could I could just run a full back four bronze center backs, and they they yeah. tack, they make the exact same amount of tackles as my current mm-hmm. gold meta ones do. So so I don't I honestly like using Mendy feels just like another center back. Honestly, sure. with just extreme pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Walker's the perfect example. Like yes. he, bodies, he bodies so many strikers. He, he wins, does the same job. I think, I think um, I definitely noticed like the very pre. I'd be interested to know how icon centre backs play because I haven't really. Obviously, Tante's had some experience, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'd be interested. To know oh, how that I'm... was mean. <laughs> We, so, we've had some some interesting experiences this weekend. Yeah, Let's just yeah there's been some nice clips. Um, just go through Felix's Twitter from this weekend if you're whenever you listen to this and just scroll through and just watch all the clips. Um, but I think I think um, the only centre back I really noticed, like, and and people said they don't like him. Like Van Dyke to me still feels like that. Like for a centre centre back in a three five two, the the man would just be a monster. Like. Um, but Varan, I think Varan. I genuinely think Varan is in the picture for best gold centre back right now. Oh, hands down, he he's so I, think, I, think I, think he he, I think he is. I've said this on on stream. I'm like, yeah, Van Dyke's good, but especially in the, again, I think if you play drop back and you play a really deep line, you actually can get away with a bit slower centre backs. But I would definitely notice that pace on uh, Van Dyke compared to Varan at that centre back role. Varan just is a machine. Would you feel comfortable putting him as an outside center back? Who, Varan, yeah. Yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah, the, um, I don't know. I I, I find it interesting sometimes Varan, you know, they'll get down the line with like uh, (laughs) Mbappe and then Varan just turns into like the scene out of Terminator where he's just like, just takes him back. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a machine. Yeah, I think think he's fine anywhere. I I genuinely believe he's the best guy. You run shadow on him? Uh, yeah, although last week, interestingly, when I played him centre-centre-back, and this is just me being a bit goofy, um, I really wanted to cheese corners because um, I found myself I wasn't using corners at all, like, effectively. Um, so I ran a sentinel on him and gave him 99 jumping, 96 heading accuracy, um, I think, or the other way around. Um, and he actually won me a game in the 119th minute with a bullet header from the edge of the box. So... I felt, justified. <laughs> I felt justified in my selection on that chemistry style. <laughs> but yeah, I'm back to you, Shadow now. I'm back to Shadow. You just know as well, there was going to be someone in, in your chat saying, why are you running Sentinel yeah, on the red? Yeah. Yeah. And then you bulls it in. I never let them live that chat. moment down. That, that would, uh, every time they come in, I'd be like, hey, remember when I scored with Varane on a fucking <laughs> Sentinel? I'm pretty sure I put my arms out wide, Tante, and sort of soaked in the, <laughs> soaked in the, the moment. But I think... Um, the interesting thing about Varane with a Sentinel is I didn't really find his pace that much of an issue and it gave him like plus uh, over 90 strength and like nearly 99 in every defensive stat. So, um, yeah, I, I think again, Shadow is like the premium chem style, but I definitely don't hate experimenting with like anchors and Sentinels and just, just sort of testing. Again, with purpose, right? Like I did that for a very specific um role I wanted him to play. Like I, I like to have a free kick taker because I score free kicks and I like to have a, a center back who can score off corners consistently. So yeah, I, I love how you analyze everything. It's like <laughs> when I watch you, that's the I, I'm I'm a nerd, you know, like that. I just I love that you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this in this position. Now I'm coming up against this guy. So I'm gonna have to take advantage of of this player. Yeah. It, it's just I I've always said that I think if you ever did coaching, you would be so good at it because mm. Not only are you analyzing someone's gameplay, you're also analyzing how they should probably build their squad based on how they're playing. 
So it's like it's a combination of everything. I think if you, I, I would come straight to you if you ever did coaching because I always used to think FIFA had a lot of reaction base, but I think you can get away with just being more tactical. Like I don't know how much you feel it's reaction base over tactical. Um, I think. I mean, for someone like me, like I always say, I'm, uh, and people obviously like think it's it's me joking, but I don't think I'm naturally that good at FIFA. As in, like, I didn't pick FIFA up and I'm a top 100 player. I spent a long time working on mechanics. But what I think my advantage is, is that tactical side, is understanding, you know, play patterns and, and analyzing the game in that respect. So I definitely think it is um, uh, tactics. I think, I think, I think. It's got more recently, especially comes. Um, I'll explain it. Like when a meta gets formed in a game, so like obviously we've had the drop back four two three one meta and stuff like that. That's when tac- being tactical plays an advantage because you then start trying to sort of anti-strat it, like come up with the counter. Um, until there's that, and it's kind of just like free flowing. It's quite hard because people play so many different things. But I I can be pretty confident in uh, knowing what I'm going to play against. So I can actually go away and work on specific white like things to to counter that. And I mean, I've done a little bit of work with um, some some pro players, um, someone like Impact. I, I like analysed his opponent's footage and sort of helped him break down their their games and, and where to take advantage. So I definitely think it's a, a, a I think it's a, a component that's not really represented right now. At least I haven't seen it. Obviously, if it is, then I apologise to everybody who's doing it, but. Uh, I think it's a good niche that, that maybe I can fill. I'd, I'd be interested in a coaching session. Like I, I was talking yeah. to you about. Well, yeah. Yeah, so. well I am offering co- uh, like not to plug myself. Um, sorry for doing it on podcast, but I am starting to offer coaching. But um, uh, uh, no, it will you be. You should a plug yourself. You should absolutely yeah, definitely <laughs> plug yourself. We, we, we were we plugging you last week, so yeah. this is my. This is honestly, this is my like biggest. A flaw in like trying to be in the esports spaces. I always feel like guilty for like. No, no, no. Selling. Here's what I'll tell you. You're good at if you're that good at something, you should absolutely because like I didn't even know you. You were. I, I thought you were progressing, trying to be a pro player. So that's yeah. why I didn't reach out to you. But I am absolutely 100 um, percent going to reach out because I'm I'm oh. definitely going to record some footage and. Yep figure out what's going on with me because my attack is in shambles i'll tell you that (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, so i'm going to be offering offering coaching and and mostly um my preferred way of coaching i don't know um how anybody else i I don't really like playing against somebody um the the only time i play against someone is if i'm trying to work on someone's strength or weaknesses so a lot of the because i play such a unique style right so it's it's pointless working out how your attack does against my 352 if you're never going to see it um so i think a lot of the time if I'm coaching, what I'll what I'll do is I'll um, I want to do like a briefing session where we talk about you know your tactics, your goals, what what how you set up, and then we'll probably do VOD reviews of your games, identify problems, and then play games afterwards to to um, to then you know start to work on what you're struggling with. Um, so uh, just for example, there's a guy Josh Nine who I think is an incredible player. Uh, I think he went uh, I think he went 28 and two uh, last week, but I'm, I'm I've got him sort of marked as an outsider to make an event um, and I've been working quite closely with him. And I said to him this week, he doesn't finesse at all. Uh, he doesn't chip at all. And he doesn't do the bridge dribble move, the double tap RB at all. I've gone through his gameplay and watched. So this week, what I'll try and do is jump into some games against him and just drill him on finding those spots to do it. I'll show him some footage of 
someone else doing it and, and try and work that into his game. So that's where I sort of like to try and do coaching is really sort of targeted additions to people's games and and, and, and smooth out weaknesses. If, if you see something that you're constantly doing, like grabbing a centre-back and moving them out of position, that's it's sort of targeted uh, targeted development. So, yeah, I am offering coaching. It is something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be starting to do because um, I'm almost becoming a bit of a player coach now where I want to compete, but I think if I don't make an event this year, um, I'm going to go full-time coaching next year, so... I'm excited. Yeah, we literally talked about it last week that you should get into coaching, and then it's good to hear that. I'm pretty sure both of them said uh, that you'd be one that would be a good coach. So to hear that you're actually getting it started um, slowly here and there. Um, But the way you do the coaching does sound a lot like um, someone who I I was going to say you guys had similar stories in in, in terms of what you just said. You didn't just pick it up, and like you didn't have like the reaction skills to just Mm. instantly be like a text. Like, text is less about the. Um, tacticalness. I mean, sure. he's obviously to be at top top level, you have to be you tactical. Have to be. Yeah, but absolutely. um, he's he's more about that. What Joey was saying, the reaction, that yeah. just knowing exactly what to do in a certain spot, um, rather well, you, than what, how to set up a certain spot. Exactly. Like, in um, a, in a, in, a, in esports in general, because I've studied a lot of other games. Like I was a, again, I said it last on the last podcast I was on here, but I was a really high level League of Legends player, and and it's the same in there. It's the same in Counter Strike. You have what like people call natural players. Who like in Counter Strike, for example, can just shoot people heads heads off. Like that's their that's what they're good at. And then you have yeah. the cerebral players who you know um, haven't got the natural ability, but think about the game. And obviously, to be at the, the very top, someone like Tex is obviously some um, hybrid of both. But yeah, I think I definitely think there is a spot for the more cerebral players. But I think coaching is a really good angle to go down. I just mm-hmm. still have the itch to compete. <laughs> That's my problem. I still want to compete. So it's it's one of them where obviously with qualifiers and stuff, if I was I can't compete and coach because I'd have to be there um for the sort of the mental aspect of, of supporting a, a player I'm I'm coaching. So um this year we'll definitely go hard to try and make an event, but I think if I don't, and it sounds really doom and gloom, but it's not, it's just I think I'll probably close the chapter on playing and uh, and start the chapter properly of, of coaching. Mm-hmm. What that's what people think? say. I mean, you have dreams, and then sorry, Felix, like mm. I'll let you go with this. Just like you, you no what you want to have, you want to have a goal, um, but then you also you, you've put yourself in a position that, it, it, worst case, if you if you come short of that goal, you already have um, oh. another goal as a backup plan. Like you're you're not just like you say it sounds doom and gloom, but it's really not because no. you already have this avenue to go down if it doesn't work out. So if it does, yeah. it's it's all bonus. If it doesn't, you, you're ready. To, you're ready to move into that next uh, field. And my big inspiration in management, uh, Bielsa from Leeds, he retired from pro from pro play at like 26. So <laughs> I feel like it's quite fitting. I'm 26 and I'm like, yeah, I'll get into coaching now. I'm just taking 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 the steps of the Giants in real football. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um. I was going to, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember my question. Jeez, I keep forgetting all the time what I wanted to say. But what do you think about the role of coaches in, like, LAN events when they're, mm. you know, when they're sitting next to the pro player? Because yeah. I I feel like it's mostly just mental support, someone to keep yep. them calm, someone to talk to. Because these yep. guys know how to play FIFA. If I was yes. sat there playing at, a, at an event, the last thing I'd need is someone to tell me, oh, switch to this formation, do this yeah. and that. Like, bro, piss off. I play the qualifiers. I got here. 100%. Like, just, just chill. <laughs> you're uncoachable. That's a definition. I just feel like a lot of the things that you could Tante Arisa Balaga. in that situation in terms of <laughs> and all that stuff, they already know. It's <laughs> more just 
pin, pinpointing little things. Yes. Uh, like, well, I, th I think what the coach is, in my opinion, and I, I've said this, if obviously, you know, I don't make an event and somebody does make an event who I've worked with and want to take me as a coach, you're basically like an extension of their brain. Like, you're there to hold information. Like, one player can only, like, deal with so much. I think it's a really tough part of esports, especially FIFA right now, where you actually have to be good at a lot of different things to make it as an esports player. And I think a coach is there to alleviate some of that um, burden. Um, so all the coach, what, what I would say is, I wouldn't be ever, like, I, don't, I think you should just be working through protocols that you've developed prior to the tournament. You should, you should have already developed ways in which you say to them, like, you already know what, what you, they, they already know what you, they want to do. Maybe you just need reminding, like, yo, he's in a 442, we've, we've worked on this. Like, it's not, it should never be telling them what buttons to press or, do you know what I mean? I don't think that's what coaching should be. Yeah, I think you're right on that respect. Maybe it's, if anything, like trying to point out little nuances in the opponent's play style. Sure. Yeah, you're the eyes that they can't have because they're so focused on the game, right? So you're yeah. you're taking you're making an overall view, whereas they're taking a single player view. So yeah, I think I think that's definitely the role of a coach. I don't I don't think you should ever, as a coach, get into the murky waters of like you should have clicked this button. I just <laughs> I don't think that's ideal because again, if I was, say I coached a player at an event, you would just then get into that conversation of like well i've made it here <laughs> you haven't yeah. so uh, you, yeah you're working you're working on a different level i think that's my approach maybe again I, i'm not the uh I'm, I'm i'm not the the speaker of all coaches i'm very much new in the game but that's how i would be approaching it anyway it's, it's a very different thing to just coaching online and helping people to get get better off, like, polar opposites of coaching because the, the exact thing you don't want at an event is the thing you're doing when you're doing online coaching sessions yes. with people who are trying to improve yes. and the other way around M maybe when you when you do like a live gameplay training session where i don't know they're streaming their weekend league to you and you point mm -hmm. out little things maybe then you can do that but yeah. when you're reviewing vods or you're playing games against them is literally just pointing out things they're doing or shouldn't be doing yeah and I, 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 I think um i've had a, i mean i've had a, a couple of offers to join um some some organizations that obviously didn't work out for one reason or another for coaching and that when i had discussions with the players that's exactly what i said is that if we made it to an event um it, it should we should we should be locked in on what we're doing so there shouldn't be that many like um uh changes but you have to trust each other enough to that i know if i'm coaching someone i know their gameplay well enough to be able to say to them hey like this we worked on this and you're not doing it right now just let's 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 see that or whatever do you know what i mean um rather yeah rather than yeah you i think i think you're that much that much more there for the mental side and just just keeping them calm and composed i think being a little bit older again not to like i think me being like 26 there's a there's a weird thing where just because you're a little bit older you might have that a little bit more respect from people um i think i'm quite well positioned for that as well so we'll see funny how you consider yourself like being a bit older like we're, we're 26 oh, reading the old in the grand scheme of things <laughs> no 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 not old. no but when you're so if you're an 18 year old coaching an 18 year old i think you're um i don't know i, I, I just don't i think it's harder to speak with more with with authority than it is when you've got age which is just a natural um a definer of authority, isn't it? So, I just, not I just, you have to be old. But... 
I've got this picture in my head of, of us considering us ourselves old and then like the camera swings to Joey who's stand, oh, yeah, standing yeah. there like, <laughs> like, like, like the sensei with a long flowing white mouth. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean old in an esports sense, obviously. Like I don't I, I, I'm I'm very much in the band in the band that I think you genuinely could be competitive into, you know, up I don't think there's an age cap. I think you could just be competitive as long as you desire to learn is in there and your mechanics don't um, yeah look at uh guastella 35 years old yeah man 36 maybe actually I, 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 i've never i've never thought age is a defining factor in your ability i think what it was in esports where fifa is because you've seen it in other count like counter strike there's 39 year old players like going yeah. into the forties is that um there's not enough money in it to keep you tied in long enough or you burn out because you played too long or you've, you're not looked after yourself in that respect so i definitely think we'll see especially this generation and next generation players playing way more into the sort of 30s uh, going on towards yeah. the upper 30s. Which well, I it, even the content creators now, I mean, the big yeah. ones are all in, close to 30, if not in their 30s. Nepenthes, I think Castro's almost 30. Um, A9 is 33, I believe. He's, he's yeah. older than I am. So a lot. Bateson's I'm, 33 as well. Yeah, Bateson's 33. Yeah. So I'm wondering, uh, I'm curious to see in a few years how that's going to go like as they absolutely. Continue. To... I just, uh, yeah, I just think, yeah, I think the idea that, you know, you when you, when you hit like, I don't know, 25, you just pack the controller up because you're <laughs> yeah, useless now. It's it's over. Bizarre. Yeah, never agreed to that one at all. Yeah, I think the age cap was always just because they didn't have video. Like, the only reason there's an age gap, like an age cap, I should say, not an age gap, is that they just, like, there wasn't video games when they no, were. John. 20. Like you talk, career, talk about your right? forty-five-year-olds, there just wasn't video games that no. when they're twenty-five years ago. So no. they they would never really even got into it. So it's not even that they couldn't play. They just no. they, they you, you really have to get into it at a younger age to Absolutely. to fully grasp it, and then and and also there wasn't careers, right? So there was mm -hmm. nothing nothing tying you into it other than a hobby. Whereas now, you know, the, the guys you just named, all the streamers and you know pro players, there is genuinely a path of career now. So that that then it becomes you know how long do you want to stay in 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 it for just you know on a personal level a lot of people move away because they have to because you know there's the expectation that you go out and get a you know a, a career in in something more traditional like you know it or whereas now mm -hmm. you know there is a genuine prospect especially for the up-and-comers you know your 15 16 year olds they could be in esports as a career you know into the 30s and then you know go into coaching it's genuinely a a lifetime career almost i i think um, which has just never been the case before yeah, it's definitely good. I, and I think it even shows um, I've done some analytics on, on this podcast in general. And, and I'd, I think 70 or 80 percent of our listeners um, are over like older than Felix and I. So Felix and I obviously being 25, 26 mm. a, a, uh, range. I, I think it's like 75 to 80 percent is above that, above that almost into 30s. I think that like 70 percent on the dot is like 30 or above. Yeah. Um. So it, it just that generation and kind of in between the millennial or I guess the early millennials versus the, where the later millennials yeah. um, the earlier millennials are, are now getting to that, that age of where, where in past it's, you know, you've, you've aged out of it. And even as a hobby, like not even talking about careers, just like people like my dad played video games growing up, oh, but, yeah, my dad but he kind of aged yeah. he in the past, you always aged out of it. When you became like an adult, you were supposed to stop playing video games. Yeah, essentially. I mean, it literally went from in my generation, it went from being a frowned upon nerd culture to like mainstream, everybody plays games. So there's definitely been that shift. Um, it's just shifting in, in, in the sort of mindset 
So I definitely think you'll see people continuing way further into into the um, into the like thirties, which I, I mean, it's good for me. <laughs> I'm glad because the time's ticking. If that's not the case, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think. Yeah, there's no reason why you can't have a career in esports, and it's obviously what I'm striving to have. So. Apologies for the sidetrack, by the way. I think no, I think that, was, that was a good sidetrack now, too, because this is Marvel. still, this is still, a, even though it's a FIFA podcast, if FIFA is an esport, and, and then I mean, we we talk, we've talked about it in the past, Quistella being like one of the rare FIFA mm. players that's older, but FIFA's still in its infancy. Um, we yes. talk about this all the time too. It's 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 barely. It's like you talk, you always bring up like League of Legends and Counter Strike. Think about how many yes. years those have been esports and and people are wondering why fifa is not like at an esport level as big as them um one is 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 the is the money backing from the company itself obviously that's a big thing um but in in grand scheme of things weekend league essentially in in this whole like big competitive switch happened in 2017 which is Mm -hmm. we're talking three four four game cycles ago um and that that four years is is nothing for an esport outside of outside of a game like Fortnite being um, brand new but that's that game came out with the intention of being yes, an esport so sure. that's a little different but like a game that's never been an esport this is relatively new i mean i guess it was an esport you talk about um michael bell uh competing way back on the stage and some mm-hmm. of those guys that year like 10 plus years ago fifa 12 um oh. were doing competitions with kick tv and stuff like that but outside of that like it's it this is really a new esport so I, we're Absolutely. gonna see a lot of changes going forward and i hope i do hope ea does back it in, in a sense and puts more money on the line so because um, um, that i think that's going to be a whole that's going to be what's going to hold it back yes, for, if, for sure. over anything for sure it, it's the money from the top has to come in i think i always say on my stream and i always say to people i think fifa is like five years behind the um <laughs> the like league of legends and it would make sense because league of legends was released in 2012 right so if you're tracking a timeline you say about 2017 when fifa started sort of going into like real esports then it makes sense why why we're there i just hope like you say that um i think if if ea did it properly with stuff like crowdfunding like um so valve i don't know if uh, any you know dota the game but oh, Valve, yeah. yeah well valve crowdsourced the price pool from skins and um, stickers and um, community events, and then they put that. They take a portion of that and put it as the prize pool. And I mean, didn't they have like two million dollars as one of the yeah, 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 for just yeah. single tournament. So I, I really hope EA gets into the um, uh, group scene of like again, you know, just attaching. If they, listen, uh, I, I could talk a whole podcast about the packs and thingy, but if they really want to keep that, just please like release. I don't know, like. Uh, you know, for a limited time, packs. You know, ten percent goes to a prize pool to mm-hmm. add on. Or... I was gonna, I was gonna say, I, it only, it'd be a real shame if uh, EA found this way that they monetize their game within yeah. the game outside of just purchasing the game, yeah. and then use that money to to help fund their esport. It'd be, it'd be crazy if they could think of a way to do that. And then, I was being sarcastic, the fact that FIFA points are already there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that'd be actually pretty cool. I, I know Call of Duty. Um, I don't know. I don't know what percentage goes to the teams and stuff like that. But obviously, mm-hmm. Call of Duty. I don't know if you follow that, but they came up with the skins, um, yeah. so you can support your favorite COD team. Yep. Um, so they called it like, I f- they called it the CDL pack because that's the COD league. Sure. Um, yeah, so yeah. I don't. I don't know what percentage goes to prize pool from that pack and stuff like that. So I don't know those stats in front of me, but it'd be cool. Um, obviously, EA's been getting big in the esport and like hashtag United has their kit in the game. Fuckwiz mm-hmm. has a kit in the game, and, and then you can use the badge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be cool to, if they just came out with you know like not player packs but like actual like just um some of the decoration packs and all yeah. the all the prize all the money from those packs went to that either the team itself or um prize in order I, I don't in order to bring in new teams 
Um, yeah. It just went to the general prize pool as, as a whole instead of, you know, obviously people, hashtag United being big. That w- I think that would create too much of a top-heavy yeah, sport so, if, if the money went straight to them. So sure, I, th- I think sure. spreading it out and just putting it into the prize pool, it, I think everyone mm. would be happy with. And, and I mean, again, <laughs> this isn't me talking like smack on the air, but like if they want to make money, I mean, that would almost tempt me to buy packs. I'm not even going to lie. Do you know, if I know I was supporting the, you know, esports scene, like if I know that what I was purchasing was like going to help build, um, you know, a sustainable esports, that'd almost tempt me to purchase because because I think, you know, that that'd be a great way of, um, of, of of monetizing it from their side, but also like I say, giving back to the esports scene, which which has just been a bit of a window for them to to sell their packs. I think. I'd love it. I'd love just ten percent or whatever on you know for the next week. The ten percent of all packs goes to a prize pool. You'd be, you'd, mm-hmm. be in, you'd be. I think everybody would be surprised just how much uh, of prize pool you could generate by doing that. Yeah, yeah, there's a huge problem with like a lot of these FIFA players. They can spend the whole year trying to compete and walk away with nothing, especially oh, if they're sure. full time. So I'm actually glad a lot of them, a lot of the pros. Are turning into Twitch or turning to Twitch to start streaming their weekend yes, leagues? Yeah, their games, yes, yes, yes. Another form of revenue, at least, because a lot yeah. of these guys, man, they're dropping <laughs> two, three, four thousand dollars. And I was thinking about that the other day. Like these guys are young, twenty, some of them in their teens. You put that in a Roth IRA, and yeah, you know, yeah. look, I know this is long term thinking, but if they put that every year into Roth IRA, you're walking away with like a half a million dollars by the time you're. You know, oh. so it's like from from a monetary perspective, there's so much more value in other things than pursuing yep. FIFA at this current time because you have to be the best of the best to walk yep. away with a lot of money. Every mm-hmm. single player I interact with, I say, please start streaming, especially when you're at high level because that's your angle already. You don't even need to think about, you know, marketing a channel or whatever your angle is. I'm literally one of the best players in the world. Um, and that brand that you build on Twitch stays with you forever, even if even if FIFA is an eSport doesn't. So, yeah, anybody who's interested in being a pro player, I think, should be uh, on Twitch as a platform because I think it's such an important part of being able to create yourself a sustainable income. And a lot of people are starting to watch, like, good games. It used yeah. to be packs. You know, yeah. everyone wanted packs. But now you can see the good players getting some, some views, even the ones yeah, that yeah. are as known they're still getting 100 200 viewers which is nice to see it wasn't like that previous years i think people this year maybe are struggling a little bit more in the game and they're turning in to see okay what can i do to get better Absolutely. I, I feel that way this year this year has been definitely more people are struggling in my opinion mm-hmm. i would i would agree i think um, i think even for myself again like not to talk about my own numbers but i've definitely seen a massive increase in people being interested in in um um gameplay because I, I i hate menus i won't even lie to you if i'm on a menu for more than like 20 minutes i'm already tuning out <laughs> i want to play me some fifa <laughs> so when i'm trying to do spcs everybody knows how much i just absolutely hate it so um it is nice to oh, see you, you you can't be as bad at spcs right. though i am bad jo- jo- am joey bad. knows what i'm on about nala is horrendous at spcs he yeah. has no idea what he's doing no no um, but yeah, I think I think it's nice to see that gameplay is getting getting sort of light a day, and I hope that continues. I mean, I think there's definitely, um, you know, on Twitch there should be a, you know, a spot for everybody, right? You have got the pack openers. I think everybody should have a seat at the table, but I think the seat the seats have traditionally been dominated by by uh, non gameplay, uh, mm-hmm. and I think this is one of the first years I'm starting to see, you know, real numbers for the gameplay guys. So that's really nice to see. 
It's always good to have that. Like we talked about the player, it's as a player, it's good to have another source of income as well. But I think what you've seen from the organization side and what you know, Futwiz and and hashtag United mainly and Fnatic, Mm -hmm. um, what they've done is they've got their players into the con. They've been the one that pushed their players in the content creation in a a sense, and and they've hashtag obviously streams on Twitch under hashtag United, and it's either it's either a player. That maybe like you know hashtag Tom steps in one day and actually does stream some games on there. So maybe it's it's he, but they they don't push him away from having his own channel as well. No. Um. So that if he does ever leave, it's not just he's left with nothing. You know, you yes. just leave him on, like cold like a orphan kitty oh. <laughs> on a doorstep just one day. Um. Yeah. But so that it's a good cross promotion between the player and then the org itself because one Absolutely. thing we talked about is I've I've always I think with the esports thing, I'm not very good at the game. So I'm, I'm never going to be in like that esport as a coach or like a player, but you know, I, I come from a business background and, and I'm, I'm an accountant currently. So like I look at it as esports has just grown like crazy and there's, there's money in it. And I would love to be part of an organization or like start an organization. I, we know we talked about it. Like we obviously had the joke of team forehead, but I brought it up as yeah. like, why don't we have like a foot live podcast, but like create it into like a team, but then sure. There's no money in the esport right now. I know Rebel, um, Cal Freezy, they started the the Sunday League team and went there, and they wanted to expand. So they kind of followed the hashtag model and they wanted to expand into the esport part of it because mm-hmm. FIFA is massive, especially in England and, and and stuff like that for them. So it made sense for their brand. Mm-hmm. But they got into it for one year and they realized how much it costs to have that play, like because they got they bought like actual good players. So they didn't just sure. get in at a like obviously yeah. if someone like us, we, we'd, we'd be we'd be essentially buying into someone who's outside of uh, looking in and hopefully under our Amazing. management or whatever yeah. and stuff like that would eventually get into these qualifiers and eventually get into the tournaments. They were mm-hmm. buying someone already at the top top of their game. Yeah. So they, they spent a lot of money to do that. And then they see if, if you don't get the best results every single time that they, th- there's just no money in it right now. So um, hearing like the content creation and then like someone like a rebel that could get back into it because they already have an established YouTube fan base. They have, they have a base that would watch them. They would stream something mm-hmm. like that. That's, I think that's always good because at, at, on the peer basis of just being an esports team, similar like you, there's a reason why you don't see these big esports teams like Phase, um, Phase Hundred Thieves, and, and so on that they have these teams on every single game. Why are why are they not getting into the FIFA scene? Because they know That's, they know it's yeah. not a good investment for them currently. Because yeah. they can't they can't get in at the ground level. Because they're just they don't have that FIFA base, and, and there's no point in them buying an expensive player that's that's most likely going to be in the final eight because the final eight, unless they win the whole thing, there's no money in it right now for them. Well, I think so, I think one of the problem is um, our esports scene. So there's, there's there's two traditional models of like esports, right? There's the league model. So like you say, the CDL League of Legends um, mm-hmm. at the LCS, which is great for 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 teams to get into because they have a um uh, almost like a physical they are part of a league this is you're going to be your representation blah blah and then you have the couch strike model which is um loads of tournaments literally almost weekly across the world um and you do an open circuit and then have a world's whereas we're in this like middle ground where we don't actually have that many tournaments um Really, yeah, we in terms of money, ma- there's a lot of qualifiers, but in terms yes. of money making, t- money yeah, making like tournaments, there's there's 50K not fifty k prize pool, hundred k prize pool tournaments. You know what I mean? Where if it was like, it'd be much more viable for teams to have want to be in. Like you say, unfortunately, money money is a a, a huge uh, factor for teams to get in because if it's not viable financially, then you know you you're getting in for um, hope, aren't you? That it does become financially viable. Yeah, yeah. I got to imagine like the first couple of years and, and probably up to this point now that now that they've established their social media channels and their Twitch and stuff like that. I think this is probably the first year that hashtags probably going to make money. 
on the export. I bet I I assume they've been operating at a loss, but with the knowledge of eventually it'll build and and obviously getting at the ground floor is is the key thing. And that's we talked about. I think, I mean, I think big streamers we'll... now are big streamers most of the time because they got in at the ground level of streaming when there wasn't money kicking about. You, you see what I think what would be a really interesting um, something that a team could offer players that isn't financial. Like for someone like me, if I joined a team, something that helped me more than anything is help with content creation. So, mm-hmm. like, get an know, editor, hire an editor. Yeah, yeah, almost yeah, assist, yeah, yeah, assist yeah. you, um, be your team, but support you on the creative thing, and then let you do your pro uh, pro, pro um, play as not as the side business, but as as um, you know. We're going to help you make a financially viable system with like good content creation, you know, Twitch, uh, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, you that as a side result, you get to compete. I actually think that's a way better model right now <laughs> than yes, doing the yes. play with, with the side creation. I actually think you should go in, you know, make your YouTube videos and then compete as a result of, 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 of your like, state stability and financials. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that is, I think that's great because, yes, you say someone like you who's, Who's there, like on the qualifiers and stuff like that? But if you're gonna have, you're not making the money to make it a full time job, so you no. got to do your regular job, and yep. then you're gonna. We talked about streaming your games is one of the best things to do, money wise. But if you're streaming your games, then you have no time for the content creation outside oh, of streaming. So time, like, time's the absolute killer for me. This is imagine if so, yeah, imagine if your org um, had someone whose job it was was to clip your streams and yep. and then and then edit that down into a YouTube video or post highlights of your weekend yep. league or or you record your you, you know, you spend like 10 minutes before your stream recording like a 3.5.2 tutorial video. But Absolutely. how long does it take to edit it, render it, post it, upload it, and all that stuff. And then yeah. and then by then, you, you now you went from having maybe four hours to stream after work to having yeah. two hours because you had to do that video. So, yeah, no, I think that's actually a very, uh, very, very smart uh, model for an, a new org to have. Yeah, just, just offer an editor. I think, that, honestly, for me, like... Again, I'm only talking from personal experience, but I think I think there's a few a fair few people in my spot where I really want to get into content creation. Like, um, even my little three five two video I did, like, and I uploaded did really well in terms of I don't upload on YouTube at all. It's my like a big mm-hmm. uh, point of mine that I need to try and do better. But it's just pure time. Like, it's so hard with the model that I'm like again work full time and then stream. Uh, you know, keep your streaming hours up and content create. I actually just, I think it's almost impossible to do. Um, so yeah, if if it all could come in and say, hey, we're not going to offer you anything financial, so they're not actually outputting anything. But what we can offer is a strong basis of um, content support. So you know, give you video ideas, assist you, then um, help you edit it, whatever. I think um, a lot of players would snap people's hands off for that. Yeah, I, I sympathize with you with the uh, content creation stuff because back in like 2012, 2013, when I was doing YouTube, I was doing, I was playing to record. I wasn't streaming at, well, I don't remember if I was streaming at the time. I might may have been, but I was playing to do the recording for the video. Then I would have to edit and do the voiceover and everything. Upload. Mm-hmm. By the time I was going to bed, it was like three, four in the morning. And then I was waking up at 7.30 to go to work. So yeah. for months, I was on four five hours sleep, three hours of sleep. And I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. I got to make a decision whether I'm either going to try to like do this thing with YouTube or pursue my actual career. And I I was like, yeah, I got to drop YouTube. Obviously it's just, it's too risky. There's no guarantee you're going to end up going anywhere with And This was, you know, at the time, (laughs) at the time when I started, it was like the streamers were me, Bateson, uh, Fangs. Like it, it was early, early on. 
Yeah, I remember. I remember watching your videos and stuff. And then I uh, I stopped, and it's just too hard. It's too hard to do. If you have a like full time job, forget it, man. You have to like yeah. choice. But yeah, so I think I think Orgs could definitely offer that as an, an, a really good alternative to not having to outweigh huge financials, like um, because again, like you said, uh, like with Rebel, like the scene in general financially isn't um, amazing for Orgs, but what it could be again, if you help people go down the content creation side and allow them to play as a result of that, yeah, I think I think. And then of course more eyes get onto the esports scene because if you've got personalities that have got getting a growing fan base, then you know you get more eyes on the esports scene, then sponsors get interested. So I think it, it all flows um, in a good direction if 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 orgs support people content creation wise. That's just been my like little thought thought for a while now. I'm just I'm just a boomer. I'm just terrible at YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> That's just real talk. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think well. We don't have to speak for Joey, but I think even Felix and I probably are even starting to get to that point where we're like, like some of the new content on like just so, so social media and, and even meme culture, like mm. it's it's even it's starting to get over my head, and I'm just like, uh, am I getting old now? Does that what that means? <laughs> you old. know what? You know what I think is the the way forward if you want to like blow up your social media these days is actually TikTok. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean yeah, TikTok's so good. As, as much as that is cringe sometimes, but. The, the numbers some of these people are getting is mental. Mm -hmm. And they've recently got they into the actual money up. part of it, too. Yeah. One of the yeah. girls got a freaking drink at Dunkin' Donuts named after her. <laughs> I, I was at uh, my, my uh, wife's niece. We were we were driving. She's like, yeah, I want to get the Charlie. I'm like, what the hell is the Charlie? Like, what is it? Like, it's a drink. I'm like, what's in it? She's like, it's named after some TikToker. I was like, what are you talking about? What are you this is crazy. So yeah, TikTok's definitely growing. Because that's the other thing as well, is like a, someone who's trying to be competitive. Like I don't think everybody's good at being a content creator. As in like no, they're not. I think I think, for example, someone like me, I'll just be real. Like, I think my strength is getting into games and playing and then doing VOD analysis, but I actually am really bad at the the actual content creation so the editing the like inspiration for videos like I, I i think it's i think it's um a little bit of a misconception that you know if you just if you good if you just stream that you should be able to do the content creation um on the side i think they're very different um they're very different worlds um so yeah i mean if there's anybody out there any org out there that wants to help me edit, <laughs> edit videos hit me up jeez i suck at it <laughs> Yeah, you'd have to start doing. Oh my God, I packed ninety. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roll breaker yeah. Kane, and he's now my main striker in my three-five-two. Yeah. Oh, do you know? I mean, if I did pack Kane, he would he would be my main striker for sure. Oh, ultimately, would you wouldn't sell him? I was oh, kind of I'd, 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 I'd sell him for sure because oh, he's okay. too much. He, he, he's he's worth more than my entire team right now. So, uh, <laughs> but oh, I think that card looks crazy. I think. Um, yeah, but then you got CR7 for around the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think anytime a car, I, I mean, I haven't even seen him in game or even w watched his gameplay, so I, I, would, I don't even know what he plays like. But getting a six, like a six-two card with like, um, I always talk about like the golden trio of like um, balance, agility, and strength, making players just seem untouchable. And, and he's got like eighty-nine agility, eighty balance, and like eighty-two strength, I think. Uh, he'll feel. I think. I think he'll feel crazy. But the thing know. is, is, like, doesn't Lewandowski have like similar agility and balance? And he's kind of you can't really what, turn with him. What's Lewin's? 
I've got him. I'll chat him up on my screen, interestingly. Yeah, he's got like... <laughs> Yeah, he's got like 77, 82 to be like. There's a big difference. Like twelve agility is quite, quite a lot, I guess. Uh, but yeah, maybe you're right. Well, well came to eighty-one, so it's not oh, has it? Is it eighty-one, eighty-nine? Sorry, I, I mis misspoke on his um, eighty-one agility, eighty-nine balance. I misspoke on his stats slightly, but yeah, no, well, going to come down to to the body type again, isn't it? Yeah, my my hope is he's terrible because I'll probably never be able to afford him anyway. So I hope he's useless. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me being selfish. What is but, his body type? Do you guys know? Uh, I think it's high and average. I think is his body type. If I was to guess, which is like the same so type of like <laughs> NA. Oh, it's just he just doesn't have one. Okay. Um, what's yeah, his that body American one? He's fat. Uh, his base card's NA as well. NA? Oh, really? So he doesn't even... Is he a ghost? Lewandowski. Yeah. So is Lewandowski. He's, he's the same thing. Did they get, maybe they got, did they get rid of body types this year? Like, certain, no, certain ones. Not all of them, obviously, but... but like, I think they've just not got it in the database or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My prediction would be the high and average one, which is, like, the same as, like, um, Pogba. You know what? Because yeah. then there's high and average plus, right? Which is, yes. which is like, hole it and stuff. That is right. I yeah. think Puffin doesn't have him because they got Sterling as NA as well, and he's he's got his own. He's Sterling. Yeah, he's you know? yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. don't have him in there. It's got to be something. Maybe Footwiz or Foot, uh, Foothead has it. Yeah, they just don't have it on the database right now. But yeah, I presume it'd be the the sort of taller one, um, the high and average or high and average plus, um, which does I think makes him feel clunky. I think that that type of body type is is not as good. I've always argued as well with CR seven. He has his own body type, and he has five-star skills. And I've always said five-star skill players, for some reason, feel better on the ball. It's like they get some sort of boost because of five-star skills in terms of the dribbling. So yeah. uh, that's just my like little personal uh, belief. Because I think when you go from four-star to five-star, the player feels very different. They got that secret sauce. Yeah, the secret sauce. Yeah, there's a lot of it in, in FIFA, I feel like, where you get two players who are started exactly the same, and then... One of them just plays way better. Do you guys like any of the other players in this promo? Since we didn't really touch on it, I guess, before we wrap up. Yeah, I like uh, Douglas, Costa. Douglas Costa. Douglas Costa looks crazy. Yeah. I think overall, this promo, like, people, I don't, I don't know the reaction from the community. I liked a lot of these cards. It was um, mixed. A lot of people were upset that they got downgraded in some areas, but I think people failed to understand, like, there are some players who less pace but better shooting would make sense because they're shooting that bad <laughs> the only the only two cards i didn't like from this promo there were some that obviously like the, there's the guy lazari and there's andre that that, that is just sort of like low, yeah they're, 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 i wouldn't probably they're there, yeah them. they're there because they have they can't have just decent promos that yeah but i think I, I said mertens and lorente were the only two i didn't like i think lorente like um, no i didn't like the way that the, the, the change to mertens I think yeah, he looked alright, to be fair, but Llorente, I agree, he looks he looks terrible. The, the reason I say this is that, like, with Mertens, uh, like, I always say that I think dribbling is such a premium stat this year because Chem Styles really struggled to give it. Um, so losing dribbling in general is bad, and gaining shooting, it's all, all dependent. Like, I mean, I would run a dead eye on him anyway. Um, and then this is me getting right down into the numbers, but he has, like, 84 finishing on his base card with a dead eye that gets up to 99 anyway, so... Any boost into shooting on finishing just doesn't bother me. Like, I wouldn't want it. I'd rather trade that for dribbling, for example. So I said that card wasn't great. And then Lorente losing dribbling. I'm pretty sure Lorente lost dribbling as well, right? 
Yeah, yeah, CS, yes. and that yeah. was like what, what makes him such a, a valuable, especially for I use him in the three five two, and yes, and, yeah. and the what makes him such a good three is that he has a little bit of defending ability in physical mm-hmm. with with just a really solid, nice dribbling that yep. you know you can you can dribble around with him and not feel like you just have to pass immediately. He's not like a it's, true true CM. So gaining a little bit of pace and a yes. lot of defending to lose that dribbling is not. It's not, not the trade-off for me. Especially, no. especially for 300k difference. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? The massive difference. I'll tell you what card is sleeper, and this is my, like, my... Do you know the Acampos, the right mid? As a box-to-box? As a box-to-box? This card looks insane. In that role of my Griezmann, <laughs> this is the card I was looking at, who's like... Yeah, he does, yeah. Like, yeah, he's like four six, skills too. Six two, like... Four-star oh, yeah. skills, get an engine on him, make him feel silky on the ball. Like, again, what we were saying, his defending isn't like... It's not stellar, but it's not trash. No, I think he looks unreal. I might, this, is, this is a card I might be picking up on this podcast. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was going to ask you if there was a if there was a right-sided player in the Liga that, that, that you could see at your box-to-box, because I was going to get rid of De Jong. Um, <laughs> and plus, I'm already playing De Jong on 7 chem because i got to play him at center, uh, center, uh, right mid as a center mid. Um, to get full, like to full come on the rest of the team. So I was going to see if there was a, the a right. I, th- I think it might. I think this might be a play after this podcast ends. He, um, he's going. He's only like 130k because obviously yeah. people don't want him as a winger. But I just think people are missing the trick of moving him central um, and and I utilizing. Hide, yeah. yeah, he just looks great. I even pinned him early on. Do you know, before he even got a card, when I was literally building my starter teams, when I had no coins, this was a card I looked at being like, oh, he could move. Um, move central but i mean he's gains like um he has almost like the perfect trade-off in my opinion he loses some physicality but he gains like dribbling and passing which is just ideal for me for that role because like physical is 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 nice but not required whereas the dribbling and passing is huge so yeah a campus is your man uh, for everybody interested he'd be my pick of like sleeper op in this in this set mukiela looks incredible as well what do you guys the, think? The, the fact that Ocampos is 6 2 as well helps him mm. out in their own. He, he's still going to be able to tackle just because of his body. Just size, yeah. What do you guys so think of Laporte at all? Laporte looks good. Looks really yeah. good. Priced or good? I don't what know what his price is. 475 right now. I oh, think, that's uh, 490. For, uh, there was one that got listed cheap on Xbox. So I, like I, think he's, I, I think he's too expensive. Really? Yeah, okay. I think he's too. I, I think. Um, Again, for me, he's not pushing out someone like Varane just because of price. Well, what I would, what I was thinking, because I'm definitely going to run the three five two after this as well. Remaining of my games, so I was thinking of doing Mendy, Varane, him, and then Trent. No, Trent would be my right mid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Um, yeah. I I think he's. I mean, if you've got the coins for him, I actually think he looks great. I just think that on budget. He's probably he's got the prem tax right. Right. Like, yeah. That, that's what he's got on him. And, and this year, yeah. there's not a good amount of prem center backs as no, there's no premium on those kind of players. Yeah, I call him. I call it the prem tax. You put him in a yeah. random league, he's like 100k. <laughs> Stick him in the prem, 475. But he, yeah, he looks really good. He looks again like you say with the vacuum that is like lack of prem center backs. I think Laporte is a real good. I feel like defenders in general this year, I don't feel there's as many as there's nope. good attackers. I feel no, like I agree. 
I mean, I mean, there's a reason that I'm running left backs and right backs at centre back, right? Yeah. <laughs> this because I literally just don't have the cards right now to to be able to just run uh, traditional centre backs. Um, uh, yeah. What do you guys think of the Anaki? Like the double, the like choose your Anaki Williams. Love if it. I had to I pick one of them, I'd I'd go with the dribbling one for dribbling sure. Dribbling one for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm debating doing it. regular card right now, so it's, I, it's I'm just the weak, it. but that puts me off. Yeah, the weak foot scares me. And do you know what I noticed they removed? And, and I don't know if any of you noticed this, but this actually really upset me because I used Rivaldo like two years ago, right? And one of the reasons I remember I said I used him was he had a trait and it was avoids using weaker foot. That isn't yeah. even in the game anymore. Oh, oh I didn't notice we t- we've talked about We talked about that a lot last year, that, that trait. Did mm-hmm. you? Yeah, he's yeah. not even in. That's, Rivaldo was my center mid, actually. In my- <laughs> Believe it or not, I pulled an yes. off. My yes. Center mid. Yeah, I mean the start of Aldo card on this this year looks insane, but oh, orbs yeah. is all over it. Like players in weird positions. If you if you want to start talking, Joey, about him having like the most obscure chemistry style, ha. Oh. But but yeah, I think I think that's the sad thing. Like, so someone like Inaki Williams, if he had that trait that they removed from the game, that like would the help. Weak, yeah, yeah, the weak foot gets sort of offset because he would play like outside the foot passes. He would like really heavily prioritise outside of the foot shots rather than using his weak foot. Now it's not in the game. I feel like the weak foot, especially at two-star, is probably just a real liability. But he, he does have the, the outside foot shot trait, though. Do you think yes. that is... Hmm. I don't know. He does have it, but he doesn't have it for passing, right? He doesn't have it for... That, that, that's what the avoid using weaker foot did was like... Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. Outside yeah. the boot passes, like someone like David Silva, right, would play it with a inside of his left foot rather than... Um, uh, rather than playing it with his right, so yeah, removing that trait actually sort of makes me sad about these weak foot, weak foot players. Um, but I think for the price, the dribbling and Aki Williams one looks amazing, and I love this idea of choose your style. I think it's so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like, I like it a lot. They they did that one. I kind of want to try. Something. They did some heat, did they? Uh, no, it was something different. Sorry, I, uh, I confused it with the different sort of flashback SPCs and stuff they did, where you had an eighty-seven and a ninety-rated version. Huh. Oh, that oh, was yeah. when they, yeah, that was the bud. Those that, were the they made up different based on yeah your price budget essentially. Yeah. They wanted they, they, they wanted to make had the same player with two different versions. It is sick. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I want to see so much more of this because it offers tactical diversity, right? It, it, it offers, you know, what do you want from a player? And I think that's amazing. I think we should have way more of it. Like, imagine choosing between, like, a physical and a pace. <laughs> I don't know what I want to go with, but the idea of, like, do you want a hold-up player or do you want a fast player? I think that's so sick. And, and, and like, especially someone like you that is, is willing to play someone out of position. Like, if, say, Naki Williams, they took out all... Well, he's he's pretty 6'1 or 6'2. Say, yeah. they took, say they took out his pace to give mm-hmm. him that physical boost that you're talking about and, mm-hmm. and like a physical and so he loses pace gets physical and dribbling he mm-hmm. on instantly becomes a potential center mid depending on yeah, drop, drop like that, back in the pitch yeah no 100%. yeah yeah and, and so he can, he can be that center mid role in a 3-5-2 and that so I'm, i am very excited that yes pace is still the meta for attackers most of the time but now let's take an attacker maybe play them somewhere else on the pitch because mm. because of this this stat change and, and they become yeah. new players i really like the idea or like you know, like a left back. One of the dreams for me would be a left back who loses defending but gains shooting, for example. So they they become that perfect left mid where they have some mm-hmm. defending, but then they have the shooting ability when they get in behind. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of stat changes they can do to cards that 
can make them viable multiple ways. It's coming Marcelo week two. Or oh two. my god, I'd be so excited, you know. <laughs> yeah, Marcelo would be give Marcelo a little bit more pace for me, and I'd I'd be willing to run him. Like more pace, lose defending. That if 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 they listen to me, that's what I'd want from Marcelo. I'd be sticking him wide instantly. He'd replace Jordi Alba for sure. There's one completely different thing, like um, complete change of topic that I'd, I wanted to talk about um, oh. that I mentioned before the podcast. Um, and I was talking about this with Tuds, who is a friend of mine and Mr. Aubrey's competitive player, top 100 player. Um, and we were talking about how low depth is actually detrimental or can be detrimental if you're the dominant player in a in a team, like if you rock it. So um, mm-hmm. I've been I've been playing four depth. Um, this entire year basically well i mean it's only been a couple of weeks but sure. um we were talking about how maybe we want to try out six or seven depth in our defensive setup just because mm-hmm. your team doesn't maybe drop back as far or as fast and you've got a better possibility of stopping the counter higher up the pitch um okay. that's just something i, I wanted to, to i wanted to mention real quick like we've been we've been going for for quite a bit but yeah sorry yeah i, I talked further so my bad <laughs> <laughs> no, our last couple, our last couple episodes, we've been, we've been doing quite a shift on, uh, and we just kind of get talking. I think last week we finished recording. Joe was like, "Oh my god, look at how long we went!" Like I yeah. thought it was like maybe an hour, and it was we went well over an hour and a half last week. <laughs> we had an hour and a half so far. Uh yeah, we're over um an hour and a half um since 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 we started recording. So my bad, guys. No, no, it's not you. We did it last week without without a th- oh, third person. Hey, when, there's, when there's four people, there's so much to talk about, especially For sure. you want you want to you want to um get the guest opinion on a lot of stuff too because. They're there for only one episode, like one episode at a time, mm-hmm. and, and we want to get everything out of you as much as possible. Which, I mean, I we'll, we'll definitely be looking to have you on again um, down the line. Um, oh, I'd love to, yeah, anytime. Obviously, it's your second time on, so it's not no longer the first time. So, um, definitely get you on if you want to plug again. I know you don't want you, you get self conscious about plugging or something like that, but you want to plug all your um, locations people can find you right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so literally across all, all social media, it's Mr. Aubrey. Um, it's M-R-A-W-B-E-R-Y find me on Twitter, Twitch I stream every day, um, YouTube I'm starting to do now but yeah Twitch is the main one um, where um, I've been sort of showcasing some of the uh, recently some of the more unique uh, three, 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 five, two setups I've got I've, I don't just work in one, I've got like two more that I'm sort of developing at, at the moment so uh, if you want to see me sort of workshopping them and developing them then yeah come, come check me out on them Sounds good. I, I just like it because it, it does create this chance that not you don't have to follow the meta for every single thing in FIFA. Um, mm. Go out, go out and find what works for you. And, and, and even if you're not trying to get at a high level, if you're someone like me, it's just it, it's made the game so much more fun this year. And, and even last year, I was get I was really die, dead of FIFA. I was so yeah. dead of FIFA. Well, um, well, I'm not well, a pro player. I'm not a pro trader. Uh, I just like the casual aspect of a lot of things, sure. and I just really like the game a lot. So something like the three five two is is pulled that fun back for me because it, it just changed up the way I play and stuff. Well, if you're interested, there's a new one I've been working on. Um, I, I, well, sorry, Tanto, kind of like plugging me. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to that question for sure because I think Nept is an important one. Um, but I've been working on a three-four-one-two, um, which is in the style of Atalanta from Syria, and it works with a double target man, and then your cam is your goal scorer, and it plays like really heavy triangles, like a passing. It's a completely different style to the one that I'm using right now. Um, and I was showcasing a little bit on stream last night, and it actually seems, um, for my initial things, quite strong. Um, so Gasparini, I think it's Gasparini at Atalanta, likes to play what he calls a double diamond. So like in the 3-4-1-2, three, three, basically your striker, left mid, centre mid and centre back 
on one side form a diamond and on the other side they form another diamond and you can basically just pass in triangles constantly um, and then you basically have a free roaming cam who, who picks the ball up and scores so uh, it's been something I've been experimenting with as of recent probably going to run it in rivals this week um, and, and see, see at a high level how it works I would love to. I'll, I'll leave it at this last point. I would love to have you try because I got cooked by this three sure. four two, one, mm-hmm. and I was running the four two three one. But this guy had overlap. His left mid and, and right mid would overlap so much I could not do anything. It, they were just wide open every single time. I would love to see what you can cook up with that. So three, four, three into the four two three one. I'll do it. I'll uh, yeah, three four two one. Three four two one is what he he was running, and every single time his left mid and right mid were completely overlapping. Mm-hmm. No, no one was marketing because my left back and right back right back were marking his wingers, his, his sure. left wing and right wing. It was so good. I've been trying to incorporate it, but I don't have the team to to be able to do it. Yeah, I've it's on my notepad of, of stuff to try out now. So <laughs> we'll we'll see what we we'll see what we come up with this week. But yeah, on, on the topic of depth, I'm saying, you know what? And, and it's like a little bit of a, a, a flaw of mine. I actually haven't messed with depth at all. Um, so it's interesting that you brought it up. Maybe going. I'm, I'm in- gonna I'm gonna try um, playing six depth in rivals well, this week sometime and see how it goes, and I'll report for the next podcast. But it's yeah, something yeah, yeah. that actually in my head it makes sense. Because when, when your team doesn't drop back as quickly, you've got your centre-backs right when they start spamming the one-twos or you can intercept the through balls or something. Because when, when you've got the ball, that, that is when you're susceptible to counters, when you've got mm-hmm. it in, in the attack. Your defence is always high up the pitch, no matter what your defensive depth is. It's not like they just sit back on the edge of the box and wait for the other team to sprint at them. No, no. They're, they're waiting at the halfway line when, when you're in possession in the attacking third. So by mm-hmm. upping my depth, I, I kind of stop the transition to defense a bit earlier and maybe I can keep them out better. That's the, so, the theory we had behind it. So you're wanting um, to engage and just hide up the pitch basically like Yeah. Than... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. Um cool. I think Huds wants to try it as well. We'll we'll see how it goes. Definitely an, an interesting thought I think. It's a good point. Yeah it, I mean I'm not gonna lie and it's terrible for me. I'm just very much like a six width four depth on every formation right now. Uh, but it's definitely something that yeah even in my three five two might be interesting to try and push my defensive line up and see. See if uh, see if you can get that squeeze on opponents like in real life. It's interesting. Maybe you could. I mean, if you want to get a squeeze, just whack on press after team press. Off. <laughs> whack on team press. <laughs> just turn up. Have you heard? Have you, has anybody heard about that? By the way, what what some some high level players are doing where they switch it on. Switch so you know you have your instruction on the D pad. Yeah, yeah. Press. Text text it all the time. Yeah. When he, when he switches it on, and when he's he's got it back, he switches it off. Yeah, so like just for or, a second or two. Well, yeah. Well, what I've seen is you know when the players start to do the surge where they all sort of more forwards, they turn it yeah. off, and then win the ball back, and then the next time they get the possession, they turn it on again. So they have this constant surge of of press basically without a cooldown. It's quite uh, interesting that I've heard some people uh, sort of trying to find a way around the the cooldown system of the team press. Yeah, well, I've seen I've seen that as well. I, no, I might, not enjoyable. Might, yeah, it's broken. It's broken as hell. It's annoying yeah. to play against. But I might I might try and uh, find out if I can make an advantage of that. I always say when I'm playing, it's like I just have to pretend my opponent's Dasari. <laughs> as soon as the press comes on, I'm like, right, I'm in I'm in I'm in the I'm in the grand finals now. <laughs> That's the press I'm facing. It's crazy. The team press is so strong this year. Yeah, it's men- mental. You don't have to do anything. You just get. I- Swarm. I advise anybody who's listening, if you're in like the 75th minute and you're losing, just whack it on. It, 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 it Except for when you're playing against me. Please don't do it. Yeah. 
obviously if you meet me in weekend league leave it off but <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's mad. It's really, yeah, really Team West is so strong this year. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think I think that is um, where where we'll leave it. We'll definitely cool. be trying some more things. I think next week um, we're gonna try to get on someone maybe that um, is more of the trading community. So we had a lot of gameplay talk this one. Nice. Um, I think we want to get into trading because none of us do it. So maybe we're gonna try to reach out to some people there. So again, let us know on Twitter. I know some people have already let us know on traders that they either follow, they're subscribed to the Patreon, or or just have followed on Twitter that they like a lot. So that I thank you for those people that have reached out. We will be reaching out to those traders as well, trying to get time with them. But if you have anyone else, just reach out to us on Twitter. Those links will be down in the description along with Mr. Aubrey's. Appreciate you coming on. Um, great discussion. You've you've inspired me to three five two last year, and I've been using it now for like a year and a half. So I'm I'm in love with it. So. It's been fun for me, so I encourage anyone listening to either try the 352 or um, just be more willing to change your formation because I think there's a lot of formations out there that go underutilized um, that can just be used at a at a solid gold one to elite three level that just people don't use because everyone's so stuck in the same meta. So yeah, without that, um, follow us on all the podcasting platforms that you listen on, and we will see you next time. See ya.
We are back for FUT21, and so is the sponsor of the podcast, CardsPlug.com. CardsPlug.com will give you real-life FIFA card to hang up on your wall or just to have by your bedside or next to your gaming setup. For me, I have them next to my gaming setup, uh, waiting for my uh, man cave to set it up on the wall. But they are very nice, very high-quality, thick cardboard. I have mine next to me. It's beautiful. Um, they'll print any card in the game. So obviously, FUT21, early game. If you find a meta player you may like, maybe that's who you go after. Um, but yeah, you can get any player in the game. You can make yourself on the card. I have one of myself right here on MLS Player of the Month from last season. Uh, and yeah, so they have any card that you could want. If you use the promo code FUT live at checkout, you're going to get a discount on top of it. So high quality and for reasonable price, uh, you can't go wrong with that. Cardsplug.com slash FUT live or cardsplug.com. Go to checkout and use promo code FUT live. Check out high quality card and just so customizable. You can get really whatever you want. Um, and let me tell you, the FUT 21 card designs that have come out so far are beautiful. So get yours today. <laughs> 